Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. This is great. And the goal here is just to put some love and positivity in the world and to do that together, to hold each other a little bit, think a little bit together, laugh or cry, meditate, hear beautiful music. Um, and we're fortunate to have Maya, at least Maya Abramson with us here today, um, who uh, is based in the Oakland, California area. I know some of you come from the Bay. I see some of your names there. Craig, I know you were from over there. Uh, Zychix, I know you're from, Barbara's got a grandchild, so I'm sure more of you have a Bay connection. Maya is a song leader and songwriter in both Jewish and secular spaces, where she believes deeply in the power of music to connect, heal, grieve, and celebrate. This sounds like the things we need to do these days. Maya's experience includes many summers as song leader at Camp Tawanga, which you might be familiar with. I think that's officially a reform camp. Is that right? Um, or, or, unaffiliated, but unaffiliated, yeah. but mo yeah, more or less in the Sierra mountains, as well as being part of the founding team at Jewish studio project in Berkeley, California, where she worked for three years as the operations manager. Now as a full-time musician, Maya is working on her second album of original music and leading singing circles for groups around the country. And as you can see in the chat over there, since we're all now experts at Zoom, um, you will see a song sheet that Maya will has provided that also has her website where you can learn more about her and her music. Um, so before we launch in to our, with our first um, song, um, I want uh, to get you all sharing in the chat over there. So if you are willing and comfortable to start off our spirit, write something over there that is joyful for you right now. Something joyful for you or hopeful for you. Um, there are plenty of things to kvetch about. I've got a long list of complaints about the world, about the state of our country, about my own back, so to speak. <laughs> but let's put some joy out there. What is something you're feeling bracha for today? Some something giving you joy or hope today. Great. So I said, clean air on walks, deep breathing. Maya's got fresh vegetables from the farm. Love that. Susan, thank you. Little joys. I'm loving my new solar-powered keyboard from my computer, harnessing the sun. Leah, all of my family, including great-grandchildren, are healthy. Baruch Hashem, wonderful. Carol, our beautiful garden, the life that lives there. Great. 
So part of the work, friends, is to re-hardwire our brains. Nona, I was just able to greet a sick friend in person with a mask, feeling hopeful for her. That's amazing that, that people are sick um, and worse alone. And so to be able to see each other is amazing. Heidi went swimming. We are hardwired from evolutionary psychology to focus on the negative. We're hardwired to focus on the animal, the beast that's about to jump out of the bush and attack us. And so we're constantly um, in a state of fear or anxiety around what's emerging around us. And so we have to rehire ourselves to not be naive about threats, but also to rewire ourselves to think positively, to cultivate gratitude. Michael, we are appreciative for our health, our families, health in my communities, health and hope that next year we can start bringing this country back from the abyss. <laughs> yes, we can only go up from here, friends. We can only go up uh, after hitting close to rock bottom. I mean, I, I mean, God forbid, there are lower places to go. But um, so friends, um, I, I met Maya on a Hillel program. We were co-teaching a Hillel program. I was teaching and she was singing and inspiring. And I was just blown away by her spirit and her music. And I said, we've got to do something here with our VBM community together. And so this is it. This is uh, at least stage one. <laughs> um, God willing, even more. Uh, lastly, here I see Risa. Um, so grateful for my health and my healthy family. And Barbara, FaceTime with my children and grandchildren, show off their babies, my great-grandchildren. They call me by my name, Grandma Barbara. I love it. I'm going to call you Grandma Barbara for now. <laughs> um, okay, friends. So there's an old Hasidic story. There's an old Hasidic story that um, two people are lost in the forest, and they don't even know they're both in there. It's dark. They're alone. They know they're far, far from home, from any civilization. But they continue to wander alone in the dark forest not being able to find their way out. Eventually, in the middle of the night, they run into each other. And they're so excited to see someone else, not only because they've been isolated and in the dark despair of the woods, but because they believe the other person must know the way out of the forest. But then they both say to each other, I don't know the way. And the other says, I don't know the way. I don't know the way out, but they both know paths that are not the way out. And so friends, we're in the dark forest. None of us knows the way out of the dark forest to the light, but we have a lot of wisdom on paths that are not gonna lead us out. <laughs> and so we're gonna share that hope, not a hope of certainty of answers or of one path, but a hope based on our learning our learning of what despair can look like, what darkness can look like, what paths do not lead us out. I'm going to hand it over to our friend Maya to, uh, to introduce our first song. Great. Thank you. Um, before we sing, I just want everyone to um, take a moment and take a breath. And Singing on Zoom is an interesting experience because we can't all hear each other. Um, but it's a really beautiful opportunity to be able to hear ourselves um, and to be able to get in touch with our own voices. And if you're someone that is a little bit nervous about getting in touch with your own voice, just start by humming quietly to yourself um, and see what that can open up and where it can take you. And we're gonna start uh, just with an igun, a wordless melody. 
uh, called the Tishreni Goon, and I'm just diving into high holiday music already. And um, and Tishrei is, is the first month, the first day of Rosh Hashanah starts the month of Tishrei. So this Nigun um, sticks in my head for a long portion of the year. It goes like this. <laughs>
Thank you, Maya. I, I think, um, as I've shared with you, I, I love that Nikun, and I think that you play it and sing it and emanate it better than anyone. So thank you for sharing that gift with us. Um, friends, I want to suggest that um, in cultivating and strengthening our hope and our positivity, we need not um, reject or destroy our negative emotions. Um, I struggle with anxiety. Um, I may even struggle with depression um, on some levels. And yet, rather than destroy those, we want to integrate that into a full self. We want to bring our full heart, our full self into our service, into our being. And so the fear and anxiety is real. It's real. There is a lot to be afraid of. There is a lot to be anxious about. It's the darkness of the womb and the darkness of the tomb. The darkness of the tomb and that naturally the fear of death, the fear of uh, states that are like death, but also the darkness of the womb, the moment before being born. I feel like we are at a moment in human civilization, um, in human consciousness of being born into a new moment. And um, when old systems are literally falling apart left and right, old systems that we used to rely upon falling apart. And so the darkness of the womb and the darkness of the tomb are real for us to live with and hold. And yet I think that hope can be a check on that. It doesn't obliterate, it doesn't obliterate the sadness and the fear and the anxiety of, of, of deaths all around us, of systemic racial injustice, of, of poverty and instabilities, of rising hate, but it puts a check on it. And so I don't want to suggest that hope. I mean, we know hope so well from Tikva. I mean, being Hatikva being a, a theme song of, of of the Jewish people that's so rich for us. But that hope is not hope is not um, a belief. It is not an ideology. It is not a guess. It is not an intellectual calculation. It is work. It's work. We work towards hope. How do we do that? We develop relationships, relationships with ourselves, our inner selves, relationships with others that we love and don't love yet, relationships with God, right? Relationships to, um, uh, to, to creation. And we cultivate that hope by doing the work of strengthening trust, of building trust, of our spiritual practices, of... Um, accepting what we can't change, the things that we can't change around us, and building and working on the things that we can. And so let's pause for a moment. I'm going to invite folks over there in the chat to reflect a little bit. What's one way you see that work? What is one thing you think that you can do or do do or that we can do to do the work of actively cultivating hope, actively cultivating a positive orientation towards the future? There is indeed empirical, empirical evidence that progress is real. Progress is real, and, um, and history shows that. Um, that doesn't mean we've gotten far enough. 
but the belief and ability to keep doing what's within our control, to trust the path that we're walking on, to find the path to walk on and trust it and hold each other in community as we walk on such a path. And then to open ourselves up to our needs through prayer, through therapy, through discussion groups, through book clubs, through learning, to continue to walk on that path. Susan, being okay with good enough instead of waiting for perfect. That's great. Nona, Musar work, especially with a Chavruta partner, helping others, making art. Yeah, the process of building hope through our own active Musar work of service to others, of bringing beauty into the world. Michael, the first step is accepting and making peace with ourselves. Yes, that opens up so much room. Maya, gratitude practices. We, we can all have daily practices of counting our blessings, so to speak. Laura, seeking to connect with another by doing a kind act that wouldn't ordinarily do. That's amazing. I find that so true. When I do acts of kindness, I gain so much more than I receive through it. I do it for me in many ways. Nona, staying connected with other old friends and making new ones. Oh, how we have to hold each other closer than ever. Okay, that's one or two more here. I'm going to share a quote from you from James Baldwin. Baldwin died in the 80s, I think maybe even 83. A lot of people hadn't heard of James Baldwin, or, 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 or um, especially those born in the 90s and later. But his name has become really popular in the last few months as people are thinking more and more about racial injustice. And he's quoted here in this book, Love and Rage, Love and Rage, The Path of Liberation Through Anger, um, who is um, written by the, it's written by the co-author of Radical Dharma. And she opens up actually with this quote from James Baldwin about, um, about anger and suffering. And here's what Baldwin says, who was a person of color in America, actor and film producer, writer. He says, I can only tell you about yourself as much as I can face about myself. And this has happened to everybody who's tried to live. You go through life for a long time thinking, no one has ever suffered the way I've suffered. My God, my God. And then you realize, you read something or you hear something and you realize that your suffering does not isolate you. Your suffering is your bridge. Many people have suffered before you. Many people are suffering around you and always will. And all you can do is bring, hopefully, a little light into that suffering. Enough light so that the person who is suffering can bring, excuse me, can begin to comprehend his suffering and begin to live with it and begin to change it, change the situation. We don't change anything. All we can do is invest people with the morale to change it for themselves. So friends, how about that hope that we can't change other people's realities? All of us have to do our own work, but our suffering, our challenges can build bridges together when we share, when we talk, when we come together. Barbara says, becoming aware of beauty we have never before noticed. No, not embracing the role of passing wisdom to grandchildren. Craig, making new plans, keeping myself well and ready for the new day. And when we are through this, creative writing and music. And lastly, Barbara, dwelling on the positive, present and past, with the belief that the negative will diminish. Thank you. So friends, our music here is not meant as entertainment. I mean, it can entertain, but our music is meant here as a vehicle to dive deeper. And so um, I encourage you to kind of, and, and a song that might normally last a minute will last five so that we can get deeper in our, um, in our joy, in our hope, in our consciousness, in our reflection. So I'm going to pass it back to Maya for our next song. 
and invite folks to allow the, the music to be a vehicle for, for reflection. Beautiful. This is really exciting because I picked I picked some songs that I wasn't quite sure how they were going to fit in. And it always happens that they always do fit in <laughs> um, in some ways. Um, I'm going to reshare this uh, sheet, this link to the to the lyrics and to the songs um, so you don't have to go scrolling through. And something you said struck me kind of this like constant anxiety this constant motion um and instead of pushing that away kind of embracing it as part of embracing that as like a, a counterpart to the stillness um that we sometimes desire or sometimes feels maybe too still and i think this song uh this song called blessed motion uh has been something i've been coming back to about um the, this change is constant and this this motion is constant and instead of being overwhelmed by the what seems to be constant motion um, to understand that as part of the progress as part of this this movement forward so we'll sing it for a while uh, it's just four lines and I'll teach it to you and then um, perhaps you might get bored after singing it a few times and just push through that and see what what new things can come from it so I'll sing a line and then we can sing it all together. It goes like this. I believed in solid grounds. Try that. I believed in solid grounds until I saw the earth in motion. Until I saw the earth in motion. In the winds of steady change, in the winds of steady change, and in the ever-rolling ocean, and in the ever-rolling ocean. So the whole thing without the repeats sounds like this. I believed in solid ground. Till I saw the earth in motion In the winds of steady change And in the ever-rolling ocean I believed in solid ground Until I saw the earth in motion in the winds of steady change And in the ever-rolling ocean I believed, I believed in solid ground Until I saw, until I saw the earth in motion In the winds of steady change And in the Speed it up. I believed in solid ground till I saw the earth in motion in the winds of steady change and in the ever rolling ocean. I believed in solid ground till I saw the in motion in the winds of
steady change in the ever rolling ocean. I believed in solid ground till I saw the earth in motion in the winds of steady change and in the ever rolling ocean i believed in solid ground till i saw the earth in motion in the winds of steady change and in the ever rolling ocean I believed in solid ground until I saw the earth in motion in the winds of steady change and in the ever-rolling ocean. curious what it feels like for people um, to sing the same words over and over again. If you have any reflections on that, to write them in the chat. I know for me, sometimes I'm singing these songs over and over again, and I, I get to a point where I don't believe what I'm saying anymore. And then eventually I, I start to believe it again. <laughs> um, and I, it's, it comes back around and I say, oh yeah, that's what, that's what it means to me. Um, Barbara's saying it becomes soothing. Yeah, like this meditation. Yeah, no, no, I agree. This um, this repetition allows for change, which really speaks to the words of the songs as well. Um, Cheryl, you started to feel the earth move. That's an incredible feeling. <laughs> That's amazing. Wonderful. Thank you. Feel free to keep to keep adding um, adding thoughts about this idea of repetition. Awesome. I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Maya. So believing in solid ground and experiencing the rolling ocean, I'm reminded of the Torah of the Hasidic teacher, the Nativot Shalom, and how out of the experience of the Israelite slaves leaving Egypt, he highlights two forms of bitachon, two types of trust. He says one type of bitachon of trust comes from Yitziat Mitzrayim, leaving Egypt, leaving a narrow place. And that is a type of trust where we learn how to give up control and be patient and wait. Sheva altase, sheva altase. You have to just sit and wait and you trust in the waiting. And then he says there's the trust of Kriyat Yamsuf. You've waited for your moment. And now you're at the moment and you get up and you run. Kum va'ase, you get up and go. And you trust that now it's the moment you got to go. 
And so we have these moments today, all the more so, moments where we have to wait and we have to trust the process of waiting, whether it's a political waiting, whether it is an educational waiting, whether it's a, a public health waiting, waiting for a call, waiting for someone else to change. We're waiting, we're waiting. And we have to trust the process of waiting. And then there's the other type of trust, the trust of saying, now's the moment, I gotta go. One of my friends, Max Clow, talks about surfing. He's, he, he likes to surf and, I, and I've never surfed, but um, I've boogie boarded. <laughs> um, but in surfing, he says, when, when, the, um, when the waves are calm, when the water's calm, you should just relax, enjoy the sun, lay on the board. You're a fool to paddle hard when you got a calm water. But when the wave comes at that moment, you paddle like you paddle real hard. You paddle real hard to get going. So that's a lot of bit of what life is. There's these rare moments you got to paddle real hard and ride that, ride that wave. And there's other moments you just got to allow yourself to lay on the board. And so those are the two types of trust from the Nativot Shalom of Bitachon. And this has to do, friends, with liberation because there are um, all these different channels to liberation. You know, I like to talk about the, the Kriyat Yamsuf, what we are just talking about, the splitting of the sea from Egypt and, um, and the Midrash that actually shatters the, the image from the movie, The Ten Commandments, that there's one path they're all walking through. And the Midrash says there were 12 different channels through the water. And I love that image for the 12 tribes. And it says between those 12 channels of water that they crossed the sea through, there were chomot v'chomot, walls and walls of water between them, and chalonot v'chalonot, windows and windows between those walls of water. So if you can picture that, think of yourself in a, in a water channel next to me. You're on my left and I'm in the middle and Maya is on the right and you're, and you're looking and, um, and there's windows between our water channels, which is to say that each of us has our own path to liberation, to get to the other side. And yet we need windows to each other's channels, to each other's paths, as we cross through that transformative sea to the other side. And so this requires big choices and the faith and the trust and the hope to trust our choices. Here's a, uh, a little story that I just love. And I, th and I read it um, probably once a month to remind myself of this existential moment of death in this story. A man died. When he realized it, he saw God coming closer with a suitcase in hand. Dialogue between God and dead man. God, all right, son, it's time to go. Man, so soon I've got a lot of plans. God, I'm sorry, but it's time to go. Man, what do you have in the suitcase? God, your belongings. Man, my belongings? You mean my things, my clothes, my money, my sofa? God, those things were never yours. They belong to the earth. Man, is it my memories? God, no, no, they belong to time. Man, is it my talent? God, no, they belong to divine providence. Man, is it my friends and my family? God, no, son, they belong to the path you traveled. Man, is it my wife and children? God, no, they belong to your heart. Man, then it must be my body. God, no, no, it belongs to the dust. Man, then surely it must be my soul. 
God, you are sadly mistaken, son. Your soul belongs to me. Man, I never owned anything. God, that's right. You never owned anything. Man with tears in his eyes and full of fear took the suitcase from God's hand and asks God, then what was mine? God, your choices, every choice you made was yours. Maya, back to you. That's a perfect uh, segue into this next tune that I want to share. Um, this idea of abundance, we have, an, we have an abundance, even when it sometimes doesn't feel like it. Uh, we have an abundance of choices that we can make. Um, and even, even in that story, the man, you know, he, he recalled all of the things that he felt like he had. Um, and whether or not they belonged to him, he still, he still held those things close. So um, this is a three-part song. And if we were all together, we would layer the three parts on top of each other, but we'll do them separately uh, today. And the first words, um, the first part is the words kosi revaya, which are Hebrew for my cup overflows. And um, the English that I, I have put together with it, There's these are two different songs actually, is from a Native American blessing um, from the Haudenosaunee tribe, which is native to the Northeast um, area. It is about, to me, it's about hope. It's about um, trust that there are things coming our way, there are things in the future, and we can, we can express gratitude for them now. We don't have to wait until they are here. So the first part goes like this.
Thank you. Kosi Revaya, our cup overflows, our cup overflows. Kisha Adam ba leolam yadav kefutsot, vikeshu niftar min haolam yadav pashutot. When a person is born into this world, their fists are clenched tight, and when they pass from this world, their hands are wide open. We come into the world thinking we don't need anyone. Independence, American, I made myself. <laughs> and we leave and our hands are wide open, realizing how desperately we need each other. Kosi Revaya, our cup overflows because our cups are pouring into each other's cups. We're just pouring our kiddush back into each other's cups. 
and those who agitate us, we can take their agitations with a spirit of curiosity rather than um, allowing them to truly get below us. And so friends, part of, part of this is about shifting, a national shifting, but obviously a personal shifting as well, are measures of success that we're constantly told what success looks like. Um, and here we can reflect on the story of Avraham. Was Avraham a religious fundamentalist? He sure seems like he was because he smashes his father's idols. He says, I'm the founder of monotheism. I smash your idols. Wow, that sounds like a fundamentalist to me. But what is he really smashing? Is he smashing idols? Or is he smashing the idea of external measures of success? Materialism. If I have more stuff, if I get more stuff for myself, more stuff for myself, then I've made it. I've made it. But success in Judaism is so much richer, as you know. It's this journey, it's the lech lecha that Avraham and Sarah engage on. It's this destination, personally and collectively. It's internal, based on our purpose, that drives us each day, that fills us with joy, rather than external. And these idols have to be smashed every day. So in feeling gratitude, in feeling the kosi revaya, it's not only what am I going to fill my cup with to fill it, fill someone else's cup up to fill it, as our kids say in their preschool, um, you, know, uh, fi- you know, fill my bucket, what you said filled my bucket. But it's also what are my barriers to allowing my cup to be filled? What are these false measures of success or of, or that are blocking my cup? There's like, there's like in a piece of aluminum foil on top of my cup and people are trying to pour into it and it can't, even, it can't even hold the liquid. Or maybe I'm holding a Dixie cup and I need to be holding a big cup. Or maybe I need a bucket. Right? Maybe I need a pool to fill this gratitude. Right? Maybe we need a different cup, a bigger cup. Maybe there's a hole in the bottom of our cup. Kosi Revayal, we can pour so much in there, but if we're chasing the wrong measures of success, how can we ever be happy? How can we ever be hopeful? And so we're forbidden to despair. We're forbidden to think that we can't fix that cup, fill that cup. Forbidden to despair. As Rabbi Nachman famously screamed out to his students, Ein yeush be'olam klau. There's no despair in the world at all. When we have the perspective, there can be no despair. As he also famously said, my, one of my favorite quotes, the day you were born was the day that God decided the world could not exist without you, right? That when we are born into the world each day, we're reminded that, that we are, have been chosen for a mission, but not a mission alone. The Sfat Emmet says, he asks, why was the Sanhedrin in a semicircle? These judges were sitting in a semicircle. There's a semicircle. That's, that's very strange in a theater style with no one on the other side. He asks us to imagine that the other half of the circle is fulfilled not by the humanly court, but by the angelic court. The, the people we can't see, the angels around us that we can't even see, fill the circle into a wholeness, into a completeness. And so, friends, I invite us to think about when our hands are wide open, who are some of the people who have filled our cup throughout our life that we can feel gratitude towards? Who are some of the people today that we can see or can't see that continue to fill our cup? Whose, couples, whose cups are we continuing to, f- to fill around us? And see the interconnected flow. Everything is changing. The world is, the world is, the world is moving. And so we're forbidden to despair. And that's why traditionally, Ga'al Yisrael, the, the tefillah, the prayer for, for redemption 
comes right before the Amidah, the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer is preceded by an optimistic viewpoint that we have to first fill ourselves with the good that's happening in us and in the world around us before we can stand in, in that prayer. That's also the tradition why a sanctuary needs a window. You've probably noticed windows in every sanctuary you've prayed in, but a, a shul, a temple, a synagogue needs to have a window in the place you pray. You can't not see the outside world. We can't be stuck in such a narrow mindset that, um, that we don't see beyond ourselves. We need the window into the outside world. And so friends, before Maya enters into a healing song, because we all need healing, the world needs healing, the earth needs healing, right? There's people who have no one praying for them. There are people literally dying alone, people who are sick alone. And each of us ourselves, we all need healing. It says in Baba Metzia that the gates of heaven are all closed. We're past the era where it's wide open. The gates of heaven are closed except for the tears of, of the oppressed. The tears of the oppressed, the tears of those who suffer, open up the gates of heaven. And so that's where our healing can be. And friends, if, if the challenge before the Shoah, as the Kutzkarebi said, was to believe in God, and maybe right after the Shoah, a belief, is there a creator? Then the challenge he said, the challenge that is posed from his students after is rather that the creator believes in us, that each of us has the potential to bring healing to each other. And so with just before we enter that, I reflect on Sir Ma Moses Montefiore and the famous question that was posed to him by the king. How much are you worth, Montefiore? How much are you worth? And Montefiore wrote a story, wrote, excuse me, wrote a number and gave it over to the king. And the king said, no, 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 I know you. I know your wealth. You're worth much more than this. He said, oh, you want to know how much, uh, how much I have in my funds, how much I have in assets? I thought you asked my worth. My worth is me measured by what I give. The number I gave you is how much I've given. And so, friends, if we were to shift, to smash those idols of acquisition, of ownership, not to be naive, we need acquisition, we need ownership, we need financial security, but then to really see our worth in what we give, in how we fill other people's cups to be overflowing and feel our gratitude, not only for what we have, but the gratitude for all the ways we have the capacity to give to others. Okay, Maya. You said exactly what I wanted to say about healing. So I don't need to say much. Um, I will just add one, one thing. I almost always do a prayer for healing every time I lead music in a Jewish space because I think that we're never not in need like ourselves and the world and um, it's just a beautiful opportunity to be able to do that in community and this melody that I'm going to share um, for the words uh, Ana Elna Rafanala, which are the words that Moses said to God when Miriam was sick please heal her um, this melody is beautiful and it's also very joyous and I think we often think of healing as a somber uh, kind of darker moment and I want to invite the option of it also being joyous of healing being coming from a place of joy um, i know that times when i've needed healing in my life i've really needed joy and so um, 
sure there are others that can identify with that too. We'll sing it through a few times so you can get the melody. Thank you. So part of the healing process, I think, is modern pe as modern people, we struggle in our search for purpose. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think that we oftentimes see the two most common answers are some version of fun or happiness or some version of success, as we've talked about, as the ends. But I think more than anything, what Judaism teaches us from any perspective is that we need a sense of the sacred in our lives, the sacred that gives meaning to our life. And in our acculturation into modernity, it is easy as modern people to lose a sense of what is sacred. And so that answer might be different for all of us, how we would say it and what the ends would be. 
But part of the healing is the reconnection with the sacred. That which is an ends in itself, right? As Buber talks about the I and thou versus the I and it. Or as one explanation of the kadosh or the holy of the sacred is that which is not instrumental. That which is an ends in itself. That's what makes it holy is that we don't use it to get something else. In a world that can be so transactional, we have to ask ourselves, what serves the role of being sacred in my daily life? And one of the other shatterings, one of the other idols to shatter is the idol of certainty. Because friends, if anyone is certain about, about big answers in life, post-COVID, we're not even post-COVID yet, amidst COVID, we should run the other way. Who in the world saw this coming? Who in the world saw every aspect of our lives changing as it has? The Ishbitzer the Rebbe, the Mea Shiloach, says that the first of the Ten Commandments is Anochi. It's Anochi instead of Ani. Normally we say I, or I am God, Anochi Hashem. You say Ani. Why you say Anochi? The difference there is the Chaf, the Chaf, Anochi. The Chaf means Ke'ilu, it's like. I am God. You, we can never know who the divine is or who the creator is. Someone knows. Again, run the other way. I don't know what they're trying to sell you. You know, they know who God is, right? But it's ke'ilu. It's like I am God to you. It's like you have a sense of who I am. Living with the radical uncertainty and the healing process and the hopeful process and the trusting process of being okay with what Maya said earlier, the world always changing. The ground is always the ground is always shaking. The ground is not solid. And that's okay, because that's the history of the world. I keep hearing people say, this is not normal. Let's go back to normal. When was there normal? First of all, I don't know that we want to go back to what we called normal. But secondly, when were things normal? The history of the world is pandemics. The history of the world is war. The history of the world is, is corrupt politicians. What do you mean there wasn't normal before this? Okay, maybe if we're looking at the 90s, oh, actually the 90s weren't great either. Well, the 90s were pretty nice actually for me because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but but last decades, okay, the last decades seemed pretty good. But the history of the world is what we're living in. It's corruption, it's, it's economic instability, it's poverty, it's racial injustice, it's anti-Semitism, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's public health crises. This is the history of the world. This is a return to normal. What do we want to, what is this, uh, the greatness we want, to re, we want to return to here? So friends, living with that radical uncertainty as part of the healing process and clinging to the sacred, clinging to the sacred together. One of my friends who's on the call right now, I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. He's a very humble person, but he always says, I'm permanently bullish. I'm permanently bullish, <laughs> whether it comes to stock market or it comes to something else, permanently bullish, right? Eternally optimistic about the future of the Jewish people, future of humanity, the future of the world. If we look at climate change, if we look at other factors, there's a lot of reasons to be terrified. But Simon, Simon Ravidovich famously in his essay, The Ever-Dying People said, the, the, the fact that every generation of Jews throughout history thought they were gonna be the last because of intermarriage, because of assimilation, because of threats from the outside world, that is the source of our hope. Every generation thought they were the last. Everyone said, oh, let's t throw in the towel because, you know, we made it to the end. In fact, we're not an ever-dying people. We're not an ever-traumatized people. We are an ever-living people, an ever-evolving people who, are, are, who know something about resilience, who know something about what it means to survive. And friends, it's with that spirit that we can continue to go on 
go on as human beings, as Americans, as Jews, whatever we are, to live with this spirit of hope, of trust, of bullishness, if you will, that things can be okay, that even within the, all the challenges. Let me share one last Torah, and, gonna, and then Maya's gonna close off with, with, with lyrics um, that you'll recognize, because we wanted to introduce some songs and new lyrics that you might not have known, but the last one we will recognize as, our, as a song for peace. And this comes from the, the Talmud of Moed Katan. After his death, Rabbi Nachman appeared to Rava, and Rava asked him, did my master feel any pain at the moment of death? I'm very curious, what was death like? Was it painful? Rabbi Nachman answered him, it was like a hair being drawn from milk, <laughs> meaning I barely felt it. But if the Holy One would say to me, go back to the world to live just as before, I would not want to because of the immensity of the fear of death. Friends, sometimes the anxiety about the future is more painful than the future. That's not to say we shouldn't be wise or that we should be naive, right? But as my friend Maya here said in a previous time I was with her, the process of change can be painful and scary, but the process of change can also be joyful if we embrace the joy of being in transitions, of understanding the uncertainty. And so Maya is going to close us with a song for peace because peace is what we need in our own hearts, what we need in our families, what we need in our communities, what we need in the world. I wish you all continued hope, continued love and faith and trust. Let's hold each other close here in our community. We're going to continue to have these sessions on hope for as long as we need to, um, to, continue to, to continue to cultivate and do this work together. And Maya is going to close us off for the day with blessings of peace. Thank you. And um, I'll just say that all of the melodies we've sung today are linked in the document that I sent to you. Um, and then my music is on my website, which is elsewhere. And I'll send that because Nona just asked. So here's that. And then um, you can find all of the melodies and who wrote them on the sheet I sent out.
Bye bye, friends. Thank you. Thank you, Maya, for your beautiful Thank music you so and much. soul. Thank you all for being present with us. Have a wonderful, blessed day.